Hello and welcome to the Football Digest Daily. I am your host, Conor Bromley, and we are joined today by Alex Richards. And there's only one topic of conversation uh, on the plate this afternoon, and that is England against Hungary. Last night, England won pretty comfortably, a shaky first half, but comfortable in the end, 4-0 in Hungary. And I suppose the, the first place to start, Alex, is, is what did you make of the England performance? I think it was very good. Um... I think it was a game that I think everyone looked at beforehand and thought that could be tricky. It could be, it could be difficult given that we'd seen Hungary at the Euros and and they'd been putting that group of death with Portugal, Germany and France. And, and apart from, OK, they kept Portugal, they lost 3-0, but for 80 minutes they were 0-0 and, and they were defending really resolutely, just fell apart in the last stages. Gave France a really tough game, drew 1-1 and then they were leading twice in Germany and only to concede late on and, and draw that one as well. So I think we thought it would be quite tough, but to, to come away and, and all right, in the first half, it was it was a little bit slow. It was a little bit considered, perhaps maybe too patient. Um, and you go in at half-time and it's nil-nil. But I think England were quite, quite comfortable, but they they knew where they were going in the second half after after they'd put down kind of that marker. Um, and, and really, they, they were absolutely brilliant. Um as soon as that first goal went in, you kind of thought, okay, they have to come out now. They have to. They can't just sit back. They have to come and make a game of this. And that just played into England's hands. Um, on the counter attack, they were excellent. I think, I think they really did step it up in that second half. They realised if they pressed that a little bit higher, if they won the ball back that a little bit quicker, then more and more chances would, would come. And in the end, you know, we're, we're looking at a four nil, a four nil win. That, in all honesty, if it if it had been five, six, even seven, you know, had Harry Kane had his shooting boots on, it could well have been. Um, and I don't think that would have flattered the team based because they did some good work in the first half. It wasn't outstanding. They did some good work that really set a platform. And in that second half, they were, they were just excellent. It was a really good performance. Do you think is is England fans were adjusting to the fact now that we are actually a, an international powerhouse, you know, teams... We are in that upper group with the the Germanys and Spains of years past, and it's a bit funny for England fans because we're used to being the team that goes to Hungary and maybe gets a disappointing draw. Do you think that England are now in that group after the Euros? Do you think we can really say we are one of the the big international teams that are expected to go to these places and win th- four nils comfortably every time? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's always been that. The expectation of England in qualifying games, home or away, is pretty much what they, they should win, um, and always has been for the last twenty odd years. Um, but I think now this team has developed, and you've got individuals in this side who are very talented, and we've got more creative players. That you, you get to the semi final of a World Cup, and then you get to the final of the Euros, you now have put yourself in that higher echelon, and I think that you, you go to to a game like this. And, and as we say, we were expecting it to be quite tough and, and a difficult place to go. But you never thought they wouldn't win. You always thought they would come through it and get the job done and, and do the job well. And that's, that's exactly what they did. That's what good teams do. Um, you know, I say this, but at the same time, Italy are drawing with Bulgaria last night at home in their, in their first game as European champions. Those kind of things happen. Um, but they're just little knocks along the way. But we are looking at this England team now and thinking that they are they are big players. And as we move towards the World Cup, there is no reason I don't see why they can't be in that final four as semi-finalists, as potential finalists again, because 
it's weird to say, but they're a very good team. They just are. They're just very good across the board. They're solid in defence. That midfield has really come together. And, and Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane have got two really good forwards who do punish teams. And we go back to go back to the game now. First half, we said well, it wasn't a hundred percent. It did feel a little bit ropey, a bit leggy for England. Almost felt like a, a pre-season game or a friendly. I think in that yeah. first half. But it's credit to the team that they were able to turn it around the second half. But what do you think went wrong in that first half for England? Why wasn't it clicking? I think they were just kind of finding their feet again. Um, obviously, he picked a very for me, an attacking lineup from Gareth Saka, having Grealish, Mount Sterling, all in with Harry Kane. Um, but I think they were just finding their feet. I think the, they probably thought that they were going to go there and Hungary would come out in the first 10, 15 minutes and really have a go at them. And a packed, vociferous crowd that, that Hungary would try and strike early. And they just didn't. Um, they let England have the ball. They let England come on to them. And then they, they obviously tried to defend really deep and then they're playing the break, but didn't really have much of a threat. Um, so I think perhaps that was a little bit surprising to the England players. And I think that perhaps it just took them a, a first 20, 25 minutes to really get in their stride and be like, OK, we're having a lot of the ball. Um, because I think there might have been a thing going through through their minds, perhaps, that, well, this is quite easy. We were expecting more of a battle. We were expecting more challenges to be flying in and whatnot in midfield and, and that kind of thing. Whereas... They were just allowed to have it and then to progress their build-up. And, and I think that kind of puts in, in your mind that we're having the ball, it will come. So you naturally slow down a little bit. And 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 I think that was the issue in the first half. They, they put together some nice moves, and, and especially down that left side with Jack Grealish, Mount, Luke Shaw bombing on. There was some good interplay down there. But it just wasn't perhaps as sharp or as quick as it needed to be. And, and it allowed Hungary to get more and more men behind the ball as soon as the second half, as soon as they sharpened up and they started getting getting more in, in the faces of Hungary's defenders who didn't really want to play out from the back. Um, and, you, and you press them a little bit and then mistakes started happening and they were very quick to turn over and take advantage of it in the second half. That didn't happen in the first. They kind of sat back a little bit. As soon as they started pressing and pushing on, that's when it really all, all kicked into play. So I think that perhaps we say the first half wasn't excellent when you compare it to the second. but it did kind of give you that basis to go and build on because it made them realise, hey, this is a game that we can go and just take this from them and really ram home a message here. And that's what they did. Harry Kane, we touched on him a little bit before, but he had a, and he, I know he scored, but he had a bad night in front of goal. There was a few chances that you would say were nailed on Harry Kane goals and he didn't quite take them. Do you think it's, you know, I mean, this is us, the media, who are going to do this, but is it the summer, you know, the summer of, not knowing where he's going to play, do you think that's affected him to the point where maybe he isn't quite as sharp as he would like to be? I think it's it's possible, of course. Uh, the thing with Harry Kane, and it's always been a thing for quite a while, he takes a while to warm up. You know, I, I always think that there was that thing about, oh, he never scores in August previously. And and he always takes a little while to warm up into a season and then he hits his stride. And, and I always think that even, and this is, it sounds strange because he scored so well, so well at the... World Cup winning the Golden Boot and he, he came good in the Euros again scoring goals. He kind of loses a little bit of rhythm when he doesn't play in those in that month between the end of a Premier League season and then the start of a major tournament. Loses a little bit of rhythm and it takes him maybe a little while to get back into it. I think that's just the case here. He's lost a little bit of rhythm having had time out not playing for Spurs regularly until the last week or so. And perhaps that needs to come back. I think the, the the first chance he had when he went clean for a brilliant pass, I think it was Carl Walker, 
He took a really good touch out his feet, got his body in between him and a defender. Dead centre of goal, clear shot, pick your corner, and he kind of scuffed it, bobbled it into the ground straight at the keeper. I think that was just a hint that he's not quite at 100%. He's not quite up to full speed that we know Harry Kane can be. But then, of course, he doesn't always need to be up to full speed. He still got his goal last night. I think it's something like 17 in his last 13 qualifiers for England, something like that. He guarantees goals as much as anyone at this level. Um, so I think perhaps he's not fully up to speed, but you know he's he's still England's number nine, still the captain. He's still such a goal threat, and, and that was proved last night when we say that he got one goal. He could have had two, three, four. Jack Grealish got the start at the Euros. It was the the player we're all clamouring to see, and maybe we didn't see enough of him. Do you think now he is a, a genuine England starter going forward? I think last night pointed us in that that was the direction, yeah. And I think the it was interesting that he he got the start and he was put very he was put in that same position he's been playing for Man City and where he he played so well for Villa. Um, obviously at the Euros, Raheem Sterling, he was England's main man in in terms of attacking threat. He started on the left, whereas last night he was moved over to the right to kind of accommodate Grealish. Um, so I think that is something that now. Moving forward, the more he plays at Man City, the more he impresses in the Champions League, the more Gareth Southgate has to think to himself, right, Jack's doing it at that top, top level now. Um, there were moments last night, you know, he, he, he lures defenders in and just eases away from them where we haven't ever really had a player who, I don't want to say taunts defenders, but that kind of is what it's like a ball, a ball with a matador. Grealish is kind of like a matador. He'll, he'll take the ball happily under any pressure. And, and go, come on then, and, and he'll put his body in and he'll let someone have a little kick at him and he'll just try and move away and pass it off and then go for a return again. We've never really had someone like that since Paul Gascoigne, probably, who is so comfortable doing that and taking the kicks. Um, and I think the clamour has continued. I think really impressive thing about him is he's so good at backing defenders into, into that final third and into the penalty area and then just waiting a brief second and picking his pass. We saw it for the... For the first goal, when he waited and waited for Mason Mount to run on the overlap and played him in. And we saw it on the fourth goal as well, where he kind of teased the defender, cut in on his left foot, beat a man. And then the angle wasn't quite there. So he, he kind of paused again, waited, quick quick scan, found Declan Rice, who, who was fortunate that his shot kind of went under Peter Galashi, who really should have saved it. But hey-ho, he didn't. Um, and I think that was where Grealish really came into his own last night. And I, as you say, I think Gareth Southgate now is looking at him and... and and thinking that he's going to be a starter in this team. Declan Rice, and we just talked about him there scoring the goal, but Calvin Phillips as well. They were excellent at the European yeah. Championships. Got the start again last night. It's a it's a strange one where it's probably the first time in a long time that England haven't went with one of the, well, with two players from big six teams. You know, for years you had Gerard Lampard, Paul Scholes. We've had Jordan Henderson's obviously been a mainstay for years as well in there. But now, you know, Southgate's kind of, ignoring that, well, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter who you play for. Uh, Declan Rice, Calvin Phillips, do you think they're going to continue to dominate the midfield for England for the rest of this qualifying campaign and into the World Cup? I, I don't see how really Gareth can turn around and, and drop either one. Um, I think if we're looking at them as individuals, those two and Jordan Henderson, that's for, that's for free, isn't it? But really, and you've got Jude Bellingham coming through. I think if we're looking at them all as individuals at this moment, you would perhaps say that Jordan Henderson is the best individually um, in terms of what he brings as a, uh, both from a technical standpoint and his leadership. 
But I think this pairing of the two of them has worked so well and, and they clearly enjoy playing together and they work so hard for the team and for one another. And they haven't let England down in any way, shape or form so far. But I think it's just one of those things where Gareth Southgate probably has to sit there and go, sorry, Jordan, I just can't get you back in the team at the moment because they're doing so well. Um, Calvin Phillips in the last 12 months, his, his rise to prominence has, has just been fantastic. Um, I think when he when he was first called up, people were kind of mm, okay. And when the Euros began, and it was he's probably going to start alongside Declan Rice. It was mm, is he good enough? Can he? I think he's answered those questions and then some. I think if we see Declan Rice getting linked with big money moves at times, I, Calvin Phillips is a Leeds boy and bred. And, and don't get me wrong, I think he's he's doing a tremendous job for Leeds, and and their fans will loathe me for even mentioning it. But next summer there will be. Big teams looking at Calvin Phillips if if he continues on the on this trajectory. Um, he, as you mentioned, he was excellent again last night, winning pa- the ball, playing passes, taking the ball under pressure and keeping it moving. And then and then his pal Declan Rice again does the kind of things we know he does all the time, both driving runs, breaking up play. The first goal came from him just moments after he'd flown into a tackle and, and been booked. Again, not shirking it, going straight into a tackle, winning the ball and putting it forward. Um, effectively, I think as a partnership, they're just growing and getting better. And and Jordan Henderson, unfortunately, and to an extent Jude Bellingham as well, um, have just got to bide their time and wait. And they won't be hoping one of them makes a mess or or messes up and to lose their place. But that's kind of the only way it's going to go at the moment because as a pair, they're doing outstanding. And I, I took a look back to that game where England defeated Sweden at the World Cup in 2018. I kind of want to look at the team then and what we've got now. Obviously, then we were playing three at the back, and you know that's obviously now changed to four. But some players that were in the team that day that are no longer starters: Deli Ali, Jesse Lingard, Ashley Young, Kieran Trippier, Jordan Henderson. So it's five players that were mainstays for for a good while at England, and now you know they're either in the squad or not in the eleven or not even making the the 23. Do you think it's possible that we'll see that level of change in the next sort of year to the World Cup? Or do you think that it's unlikely that Gareth Southgate is going to change too much to the team that we saw last night? I think I think looking at it now, the team last night, you've, the, the players you mentioned there, some of them, you, Kieran Trippier, Ashley Young, the wrong side of 30 now, so kind of not getting so much of a look. Delhi Ali's career, obviously nosedived at Spurs since then and um, he's now kind of finding his way back at Tottenham and, and we hope he can hit top form and become a player once more. Jesse Lingard, it's for me it's such a shame he's still at Manchester United, he needs to be playing every week. We saw when he went on loan to West Ham, just the level of his performances, the effervescence he bought, he was outstanding for them, worked his way back into the England setup. Um, so I think if you're looking at the England team now, you would think this is pretty close to what will probably be the starting eleven when the World Cup does come around. However, you've got players like Mason Greenwood at Manchester United making such a big impact. Phil Foden, of course, having grown and grown at Manchester City, and he was he was such an important part during the Euros. Um, so those two will both be knocking at the door. You can never guarantee what's going to happen with the midfield two that we've just talked about, and Jude Bellingham is a, is a star in the making. He's potentially the best England midfielder of his generation. So he's going to have another 18 months experience, be playing regularly in the Bundesliga and in the Champions League. So he'll be knocking at the door as well. And there's very much scope for, for more of these changes, as you mentioned. 
it's just that this team, Gareth Southgate has done well in in kind of aging it down. It's a younger team than than what went to that World Cup. Um, so I, I think it's an interesting battle of whose places are potentially up for grabs. Um, Luke Shaw will obviously his battle with Ben Chilwell at left back is is one that's going to go on and on and and form and whatnot will be key to that. At right back as well, Carl Walker, you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold, Reese James, that's another area. And you've got the the battles in those attacking places. Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling are probably still nailed on, regardless kind of, of Sterling's stature at his club at the moment, where he's not really starting games. Um, and then you've got Mount, Grealish, battling for places. Foden, as we mentioned, Greenwood coming in. You look at the strikers, obviously, that are backing up Harry Kane, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Ollie Watkins, Patrick Bamford now. That's what they are backup guys. Um, because Harry Kane is, as we know, England captain, top scorer, all of that. So that's very much the one position that is dead set. Um, but the guys around him, there's probably a, a lot more flexibility for depending on who's in form, who's playing well, who, who's been doing it regularly for their clubs. Um it's quite some time since I think we can say that England have had such depth. Um, and and as you point out, five players kind of fell away from the last competition to, to the Euros and to now. Do Does that happen again? I wouldn't think so, but you, you can't discount it given, given the quality and the depth that there is now. So looking ahead, uh, Andorra on Sunday, which is a reasonably straightforward game, you'd think. Pick a, pick a scoreline. Yeah, it could be a, a cricket score there. And then we've got Poland, which is going to be the harder game on Wednesday. And I think for England, they're in such a good position to qualify right now. Yeah. A draw there is probably a decent enough result. Do you think that the Andorra game is almost going to be treated as a, a friendly from Gareth Southgate's mind? Obviously, you need to win, but it'll not be the strongest England team you would think with the game on Poland against Poland coming up just a few days later. No, of course, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think Roy Keane mentioned last night he was expecting three, four changes. I wouldn't expect if it was 10, 9, 10, even, even an entire team. Um, they're going to be such heavy favourites for that game that kind of no matter what 11 is picked from the squad, they'll go out and win and, and win comfortably. Um, you want to keep this. I think it was it was telling last night that he didn't make any changes until I think after 80 minutes. I think that tells you that the 11 last night are going to be the 11 in Poland and and that, as I mentioned, 9-10, possibly you only keep Jordan Pickford, won't play against Andorra. Um, that is the 11 and, and it's going to be a very tough game. Um, there's no two ways about it. Poland are a decent team. We saw that in, in the qualifier at Wembley when England needed a late goal to get victory. Um, and they've got Robert Lewandowski up front, of course some very talented midfielders and they've always been pretty solid at the back. The only thing with them has been that I think they went to the Euros and people tipped them as kind of a dark horse and just didn't really happen. Never, They never really got going until perhaps even halfway through their final game and by then it was it was kind of too late. Um, so it'd be, a, it'd be a tricky game. It'd be, it will be tough. But this England team at the moment have got such talent and, and are playing with confidence and they just know how to get the job done against these kind of teams. You know, we, we don't worry about England losing these games anymore. We, we kind of think they will, as you mentioned, at least a draw, that's good enough for them. So if they come away with a one-all draw, nil-nil, whatever, you're thinking, okay, you're very close to doing the job, but you do expect them to go and win. 
Okay, well, that's just us about out of time now, just at the 20-minute mark. Um, Alex, thanks for joining us today, and thanks to everyone for listening to the podcast. We'll be back on Monday to hopefully talk about a convincing England winner, not the most embarrassing day <laughs> in English football history. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>